Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. My name is Matthew David Kanata, and I am joined tonight, as always, each and every week, by certain the creepy soccer dad with the ice cream van, and how... how it just gets worse um, every week. It gets worse yeah. and worse. How, and all you do is use your middle name. And I cannot... <laughs> and I'm saying House's name uh, multiple times in a row, because... He typed in something for his nickname tonight that I cannot talk about on air. I cannot say it on air. Or SB Nation will find me. And he will fire House and somehow. fire Sutton. It's true. Okay? Yep. Yep. But in front of his name, um, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Okay, just use your imagination. Tweet us. Talk about it in the live thread. Every week, Sutton and House, I feel like this show goes off the rails in the first 38 seconds. Just because uh, <laughs> the nicknames that each of you have, how inappropriate they are, um, you know, towards you gave us those I didn't make it. <laughs> you guys. Sutton did not go around calling. Sutton did not go around calling himself the creepy dude in the van, giving ice cream to kids or whatever you called him. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> all you man. You guys. And then just use your God-given up. name. You guys. <laughs> You guys set yourselves up for your own nickname, so it's your fault. Uh, yeah, either. whatever, whatever. Okay? It's both of your faults that um, that, that <laughs> you sound like this and that you are called this. So, yeah. Again, the show is done off the rails already, and we have about 36 more minutes to go. So, we're going to get going here. We will take your phone calls tonight from 9.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time until 9.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're giving you an eight-minute window. We will take your phone calls at that time. You can call us at 347-326-9461. Again, that's 347-326-9461. Again, if you call us before 945, we will not answer. If you call us after 953, we will not answer. You'll sit on hold until the end of the show. You need to call us within those eight minutes. Tweet us at any of our Twitter handles, at Finsider Radio at Sutton Laces Out and at House, simple enough. Or you can join us on a live thread on www.thefinsider.com and click on the live thread link. All right, boys, before we get into our main discussion tonight about linebackers and Raekwon McMillan, who House loves so very much, I do want to mention one thing about J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt is an absolute folk hero around the NFL, and he is the man, right? Everyone says he's a man. He lives in log cabin. He, uh... Chases bears through the woods. He, he wrestles foxes and, and battles coyotes. But J.J. Watt, we've been talking about the top 100 player list 
from the NFL Network here on Prince Fighter Radio the past few weeks. We know Jarvis Landry takes it very seriously. J.J. Watt, on the other hand, he called it a joke. He quote tweeted the NFL Network, called it a joke uh, because he was ranked number 35. And J.J. Watt said in his tweet that he only played three games this year, so it is a joke. Thoughts on that, Sutton and House. Sutton, we'll go with you first. I mean, I like it. That's He's a baller. Like you said, he wrestles Wolverines and eats sticks of dynamite for breakfast. So, I mean, the dude just pours out blue-collar work ethic stuff, and I think he realizes that this list kind of diminishes some of the players that um, a had very good seasons and B played most of the season. So I think it does kind of bring up an interesting point about should there be a minimum threshold of games played? I mean, cause you can always make a case for a player that didn't get that many games in a certain season, but if he had gotten the games, he would have put up the ridiculous stats and helped his team. Um, so could you put a minimum threshold of games played on there and help the players out by eliminating some of those upper echelon players that didn't qualify? Very good point. I do like that minimum um, game threshold that you're talking about. There may be eight games at least half the season you need to play. Because like you said, even if J.J. Watt was injured, he's still one of the best players in the game, right? I think last year he was ranked number three, definitely top five this year. He falls, he's only played three games. But let's say Tom Brady were to uh, get injured, right? He's still going to be in the NFL top 100 because even if Tom Brady's injured, he's still one of the best in the game. Right. I think that's what I'm looking at. House, what do you think about that? Do you agree with J.J. Watt or do you agree with J- uh, Jarvis Landry? I absolutely agree with uh, – well, I can't go against what Jarvis Landry does. I mean, he, he feels slighted every time he's on this list, and you can't go against what J.J. Watt says. I mean, no one can argue how talented he is, but to only play three games and still end up uh, top top 40, uh, that's ridiculous. I think Tyreek Hill had one good year. I mean, outstanding rookie season, great return man, a uh, huge uh-huh. offensive weapon for the Chiefs, and I think he finished in there too as well. So, I mean, I, I think us as fans, we – put too much stock into this we get too fired up over these rankings but ultimately i feel like it's just nfl network's way like buying time with the offseason just trying to give us something to watch and i think ultimately we just got to realize that's what it is because i mean as fans we're going to get pissed if a player that we ultimately think is better than others isn't in that list but i mean it is what it is it's just it's just a way for nfl network to get ratings and have people talk about it and i mean it's working yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, it is a way to kill time in the offseason with these with these networks, right, and the 24-7 coverage of the NFL these days. When you got the NFL network, you need to fill time with something. So these NFL top 100s and these ranking lists and everything else, these power rankings, these offseason draft grades and so forth, it's not an accident they spread this out over multiple weeks, right? They need to kill the time. So you're absolutely right, House. It is a way to kill time. Fans do get riled up over it. Really, there's nothing really to get all upset about. So it is, it is what it is, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sit there and move on. Okay, so the Miami Dolphins drafted Raekwon McMillan in this past draft, and he is going to fit in nicely into the linebacker core the Dolphins currently have, which consists of, by the way, Neville Hewitt, uh, Dion Lacey, Chase Allen, Kiko Alonso there in the middle, Lawrence Timmons, Mike Cole, Lehman Barrow, Koa Misi, Trevor Riley, and Brandon Watts. Now, the current depth chart looks to be this right now. Lawrence Simmons, Kiko Alonso, and Koa Misi. More than likely, 
going to be between Nisi and McMillan battling for that last starting spot. The interesting thing is this. On the depth chart, uh, courtesy of rlabs.com, who was very accurate with everything, they have right now McMillan listed. They have Cole. He's a strong side linebacker. Now, if, if you recall, leading up to the draft, we talked about the differences between a strong side linebacker and the weak side linebacker. So the strong side linebacker is basically what, it, what it's called, right? They line up on the strong side of the offense. So when you see the unbalanced lines, when you see the tight end off to the side, the strong side linebacker is going to line up on that side. Often, this strong side linebacker will be called upon to tackle the running back in the backfield on a play uh, because usually the back is playing uh, following the tight end block, correct? So he is often the most strongest linebacker, or at least he has the ability to, you know, shed blocks and so forth. Also, in addition to all that, they should be able to maintain a tight coverage or at least a good cushion when in passing situations against the tight end. Now, when you talk about strong side linebacker and you talk about those kind of things, Koamisi is not the first guy that would come to mind. Now, the weak side linebacker is just the opposite. They line up on the other side of the line of scrimmage, on, up, on the weak side, but they don't really have to face large interior linemen one-on-one -on -one unless, of course, that lineman is coming off and pulling on, on the run play. The, in, in the coverage situations, the weak side linebacker, they'll often cover the back that attacks his side of the field first, and then sometimes will also cover the weak flat or hook curl in, in zone coverage. But the weak side linebacker overall needs to be strong in all areas. So overall, they need to be better. So then when you look at it that way, you definitely don't look at Cole Misi that way. Maybe you look at Lawrence Timmons at, on the weak side in that sense, and McMillan on the strong side. And that's for me because I think Timmons is not going to do well in coverage. He's going to do well against the run. But the strong side it usually attacks the runner. Lawrence Timmons also needs to be able to cover, but he's not that good in it. That would be more someone like McMillan. But McMillan may not be the biggest guy to attack the running back, so he would be more fitted for weak side. But overall, he's probably the most physical of all three linebackers, or not physical, but overall he's better suited to play linebacker than all three of those guys, two, three of those guys combined. I may have thrown all of you into a huge confusing loop with that uh, lecture just now, but how, where would you put McMillan, Timmons, Alonzo, and Misi? And if you really want to get crazy, would you put McMillan in the middle or Timmons in the middle for that matter? All right. For, first, I mean, Cole Misi, decent player when he's healthy, but that's very rare. So I'm not even sure uh, if he's, I mean, uh, any, it's anyone's guess what's going to happen with Cole Misi. So I'm not even going to consider him as one of the starting linebackers. Um, for me, I think we touched on a bit this all season. I think Raquan McMillan ultimately will be the middle linebacker of the future. But, uh, Going forward this season, I mean, based on what you said, it just seems like the Dolphins are going to give the best players the opportunity. I guess I read an article from Armando or one of the beat writers that Mike Hall was getting reps with the first team middle linebackers. So, I mean, it seems like it's anyone's opportunity to take that spot. But for me, I think it's going to eventually come down to Kiko in the middle, uh, Lawrence at Lawrence Timmons at weak side, and then McMillan at strong side. I think you 
made a good point that McMillan's probably better suited to cover those tight ends and maybe he's not the biggest guy out there, but I think he, he best fits that. And I do think he is a jack of all trades. I think he could play also play weak side, but ultimately I think Kiko Alonso, he's going to stay in the middle there. I think Miami likes him there. And I know he said in the off season, he'd rather not move out of position there. So I think that's the way it'll look. It'll be Timmons at weak side, uh, Kiko at middle linebacker, and then Raekwon ultimately at strong side. What about you, Sutton? I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think what, you know, for us fans going into this year, we might have to kind of rethink how we think about the linebacker positions in our scheme. And by that, I mean, we have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. So it may not necessarily matter where so-and-so starts, but it's going to be more of a matter of the snap percentage that they play. And I really see, Alonzo Timmons and McMillan occupying the lion's share of the snaps unless Co-Misi again stays healthy and is able to play strong side linebacker. I think that's where Misi would fit because I think he is the run-stuffing guy that we'd bring in on first downs and such. Um, but you look at Alonzo, he can play weak side linebacker and middle linebacker. Timmons could probably play all three positions. McMillan could probably play middle linebacker and strong side linebacker. So that gives us some versatility, and I think that's why this defensive coaching staff has put a premium on that because that just opens up more doors. It doesn't pigeonhole us at all. It actually opens up more opportunities to open up the playbook a little bit, in my opinion. I do agree with that as well, Sutton. You're right, in a sense of not labeling guys certain things because we know that Matt Burke is going to move guys around. We know that Adam Gates likes to move guys around. And even on the offensive side of the ball, unless it's the quarterback or the running back, he is not really going to pigeonhole people into different positions. He's going to move his slot receivers to the outside, his outside receivers to the slot. He's going to move his tight, his blocking tight ends into the passing game and his um, passing tight ends into the blocking game. So we know like, they like to move things around. But if you had to and pick – Go ahead. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt there, but I was just going to say, like, I think the one of the main questions I have for the linebacker groups are who's going to play in nickel? And you know right. how many, many plays occur in a three-wide receiver set. So we're going to be in a lot right. of nickel. So who are right. the two linebackers playing in the nickel? That's I think that's a, for me, a tough question. For me, um, I'm even though Alonzo's not the great. Oh, geez, that's such a tough one. Timmons is old and slow. He's still a good ball player. I don't mean to say like to insult him, but in terms of coverage, he, he's older up there. He's not as fast. I'm not so sure he can keep up with people. Alonzo's not the greatest, but at least he can uh, keep up with others and is going to be in the system for the next two for the second year. For me, I'm going to go McMillan and Alonzo in the nickel because I think they're not really the best option, but it's what the Dolphins have to work with. Sutton and Houts, we'll start with Houts first in terms of who we want to see in the nickel, then we'll go to Sutton. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what you said. I think McMillan, he might be the, uh, I hate to say it, but maybe the best coverage linebacker that we have. And then Kiko Alonso, he's not the best in coverage, but like you said, Lawrence Timmons, he's getting up there in age. I mean, he showed some, he showed he was capable of covering uh, with Pittsburgh, but I mean, when he's getting up there in age, I mean, Kiko Alonso, he's a liability in coverage, but I mean, if if I had to pick, you have to pick two of them, and I'm going McMillan and Alonzo. It's it's a good question. You also have to consider that Neville Hewitt might sneak in there and steal some snaps and nickel because that's the one guy that we have in the linebacker core that's really showed some pass coverage skills. 
Um, but I'm going to go against you guys here. I'm going to say it's going to be Alonzo and Timmons just because Timmons, although he is, probably doesn't have that sideline to sideline speed that he used to, probably doesn't have the same range. Um, he's going to be able to make up for some of that with just being a veteran and being savvy and understanding what other teams are doing. I just have a fear that Raquan McMillan coming in there as a rookie, a little bit green, not understanding some of the nuances of the game might get picked on a couple of games and those couple of games might be the difference. So I, I look for the two vets to stay in there early and then hopefully McMillan picks up things fast and earns those snaps. All right. So good point about Timmons there with the veteran and uh, instincts there that he possesses after playing in the NFL for so long. But what about this? What if I threw a wrench into things here? And let's say we're getting creative, right? We know Rashad Jones is kind of like a hybrid type player, likes to play up on, in the box, and has played up in the box multiple times throughout his career with the Dolphins and throughout the season, of course, and, and in games. Report came out from Armando Salguero that T.J. McDonald, strong safety, is turning heads in OTAs thus far. Now, OTAs does not get excited. That's not full speed. A long way to go. Nate Allens, we'll see how he shakes out. Walt Aikens, he needs to get better. But Michael Thomas is also a pretty reliable guy there, too. What if the Dolphins were to go three safeties, right? A pure nickel formation. What if they were to bring Rashad Jones down in the box and pair him up with, let's say, McMillan? And then up top, they're leaving Michael Thomas and a combination of T.J. McDonald, Nate Allen, or Walt Aikens. You put Rashad Jones there on the tight end. You put McMillan on one of the other guys or Rashad Jones on one of the, you know, um, now he'd probably be on tight end and uh, McMillan perhaps on the running back coming out into the flat or whatnot. Do you think that would be a better option with three safeties on the field and one linebacker? Then let's say two linebackers and Rashad Jones back in center field playing up top. I think it depends all on situational stuff. I, you know, if it's if it's third and five, um, you know, if they come out three wide, I'm not sure that I go into a light set like that. If it's third and 16, hell yeah, why not? I think that would give us some exotic looks there. So um, I, I'll definitely give the benefit of the doubt here to the Dolphins defensive coaching staff and assume that they're going to be able to get creative with the chess pieces that they have. Yeah. And that's the best part. I mean, you have all these options at uh, Matt Burke's disposal and it's, it's going to be exciting to see what happens. I mean, we've got to remember TJ McDonald, he's suspended for what half the season or at least a better part of it. And right. I mean, anything could happen. I'm still verdict still out on Nate Allen. I know he had potential coming out of, out of school, but I mean, he didn't look that great in Oakland. And I mean, there's reasons he was a free agent. So, I mean, any player can turn around with the new coaching staff. So, I mean, we just got to see what kind of players we have. And, and like you said, situational and even the personnel across from whoever's, I mean, it would depend. It'd probably change week from week on how the Dolphins might approach things. And I think even Adam Gase touched on a bit uh, this all season. He said how they might rotate linebackers and overall, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch because, I mean, this team, they can do a lot of things on both offense and defense, and it's just going to be fun to see the way they match up personnel-wise. All right, so 
I think we talked about linebacker good enough. If you have to pick your opening day lineup, your three linebackers and where they're playing, how it's, where do you go? All right, I'm going uh, Timmons, weak side, Kiko middle, McMillan, strong side. All right, so, and how about you? I'm going to go Timmons, middle linebacker, Kiko, weak side, and I will go if Comisi's healthy – I think he will start, but um, it's looking iffy if that's going to even happen. So I th- I'm going to put my eggs in the McMillan basket and say that he's going to be playing strong side linebacker. All right. For me, I'm going to go Alonzo in the middle. I am going to go McMillan on the weak side, and I'm going to go Timmons on the strong side. Someone's going to have to be right. I like it. <clears throat> No. One of us. Right. Yeah, I think that was every. Yeah, I think that was almost every combination you could do. Every combination possible. None of us said Cole though, right? None of us said Cole Beasley. Sutton said there's a chance. There, there. Well, there is a chance. There's absolutely a chance. But I mean, let's be realistic. Just based on the odds and everything else, does he even make it out of training camp healthy? He's made of glass. All right. So yeah. we, we were we were into the phone call and question period just now. We went a little over on a linebacker conversation. Woo-hoo. But it was a good conversation. Uh, so let's go to the Insider Radio live thread. Son and how to check it out. What do we have for questions, and what are your answers for those questions? Um, I'm going to throw the first question out. Um, and I do want to acknowledge Griffin's question. Um, your question is probably a little bit beyond the scope of what we're doing on the show these days, uh, but perhaps we could have a sidebar about that. Anyway, uh, Joe – Daytona Dolphin asks, how are the tight ends doing, Fasano and Thomas, and how do you think they will impact the game this year? Yeah, again, I mean, I I was off of Twitter and all the social media throughout the day, but I saw an article, I believe, from Armando, or maybe it was Beasley, one of the beat writers, talking about how great Julius Thomas has looked and how he just seems to have that impact, whether it be on the seam routes or just uh, in the middle of the field. I mean, it just sounds like he's – an all-around pro, and, I mean, I think if, if he can get back on track with Adam Gase, I mean, I expect a huge season out of him. I mean, a tight end is one of the quarterback's best friends, and we really haven't had a tight end like Julius Thomas. I mean, if you look past what he did with Jacksonville or, or what he didn't do with Jacksonville, I mean, he's a pretty damn good player, and he's highly sought after. So I'm excited to see what Julius Thomas does in this offense. As for Fasano, I mean, he was a Dolphin before. We all know the kind of player he is. But I think uh, one thing that people are overlooking is how much of an impact he's going to have in that run game this year. Because I believe, I mean, I don't put much much into PFF stats, but I believe he was number one ranked uh, tight end uh, run blocker last season. So, I mean, just to have that guy come in here, he's going to be a huge asset in the run game. He's going to help out J.J. in that uh, questionable offensive line. So, I mean, I think both tight ends are going to have a huge impact this year. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do. We have anything else in the Finsider Radio live thread? Uh, here we go. We got one from Redwood. I'll throw this one to you, son. Uh, let's say the Dolphins aren't getting much production from the likes of Carew, Grant, Ford, or whoever else they bring in to fill the receiver spots. Is there any chance the Dolphins would give Lippitt snaps at wide receiver since he was a successful wide receiver in college, or is he too valuable at cornerback? Um, I'm going his latter point there. It's a yeah. pretty easy call for me. I, I think it's – I liked him when we drafted him and I thought his wide receiver background could possibly make him a good cornerback. And I think we've invested too much in him learning the, 
the uh, nuances of the cornerback position. So I think we got to keep him there. He's got the size that we want. Might they throw some kind of wrinkle red zone package in there? Nah, I can't rule it out, but I strongly doubt we'll ever see him take a snap on offense. Quick follow-up, uh, Kanata. Who's the better wide receiver, uh, Tony Lippett or Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> I had uh, to do it. Dude, <laughs> I had to do uh, it. <laughs> that is awesome. I think it's definitely Lippett, but what a definitely, phenomenal def- question, dude. Definitely Tannehill. Definitely Tannehill. Oh yeah, dude. If you if you put that it's on Twitter, that 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 would be blowing so up dumb. right now. All right, we are doing a live Twitter poll right now. We will check the results at the end of the show. <laughs> make it longer than like two hours, like you normally do. Make yeah. it like a, make it like forty eight hours or something. Your polls always end too quick. Can you say please? P- please, Matthew Canada. All right, I will Matthew do it. David. Matthew David. What's Kanata. what's the question? Uh, who's the better wide receiver, Ryan Tannehill or Tony Lippett? Remember last week we did a poll we got blasted. <laughs> oh, well. This is awesome. All right, Ryan Tannehill and Tony Lippett. All right. Let's just do this right here. We have anything else in the Finsider Radio Live thread? Yeah, Kristoff just popped in. He said, speaking of linebackers, does anybody – Else want to take a look at David Harris. Eh. Man. Reti- a retirement fit? home, perhaps, right? <laughs> He's what, 33? <laughs> How don't you no, look I, at a retirement home? I do. I, I sent you a message uh, earlier about looking, uh, bringing up David Harris. So, I mean, it's a good point. I know Mike Tannenbaum drafted him, but I mean, I'd rather give these young guys a chance and see what we have rather than bringing a guy like him. I think if Miami really wanted to do that this offseason, they would have went after some of those big guys threw, threw money at them. All right, so the poll is up. It's running for 24 hours. Finsider yeah. Radio Live Debate with Houts and Sutton. Who is the better wide receiver, Ryan Tannehill or Tony Lippett? We'll check in in about 10 minutes when we wrap up our show. But this will be a fun one. This will be a fun poll to do. Any other questions <laughs> on the Finsider Radio Live thread? No, we're good. Nope. Did you, did you address the one from Griffin Van Ness? I know we're not going to talk about it on him. Okay. Yeah, I told him, yeah. Thanks. Yep. All right, Griffin. Um, so, yeah, we are not going to address that one on air. As we get a little closer to that game, we will talk about it. Um, we will be more than happy to discuss it with you, though, uh, in the live thread. Okay? All right. So is that everything there? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's see if we have anything on Twitter. So the New York Jets roster as of 6-6-2017 from Esteban Saberos is a pile of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. That is absolutely true. I, I feel like you expected right. something else. <laughs> You're surprised <laughs> that their roster is a pile of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally a, picture of a pile of garbage. All right. Uh, Rob Carruth. 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 <laughs> When should we start getting nervous about Landry's contract situation? You should not get nervous. They're Never. going to work out a deal. Just be patient. It will come. It will come. And uh, he also asks, has any of the rookies impressed you so far in OTAs? I haven't been fully paying attention to OTAs as much as I want to because of work and everything else going on in my life. But, again, I don't get too excited either by reports. 
because at the end of the day, they're running around in shorts and uh, short sleeve shirts. Some prefer long sleeves due to the sun. But anyways, they're not in pads. They're not going full speed. It's way too early to even start talking about who's impressing and who's not and who's the real deal and who's going to be a bust. So we will monitor that, of course, in training camp and in preseason games, but again, way too early. All right. Yeah, OTAs is just like uh, player A is feeling the best they've ever felt, and player B is just looking great, looking like they're going to have a great season. It's just the off-season hype train. So um, I know we're all excited for football, but there's still just not much information to report. Exactly. And um, football cannot come fast enough, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we get through the season, it goes by so fast, and we're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs, watching the Warriors destroy the Cavaliers. Uh, it's not even close there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Trying to watch baseball. Let's not, ta- let's not talk about that. Yeah. Baseball. They did come back from 3 1, right? Cleveland did come back from 3 1. Yeah. I don't know much about basketball. It had a different feeling last year. Um, this <laughs> yeah. year, we look a little bit more outmatched. Hey, the hockey, uh, Stanley Cup looks pretty good. 2-2? Yeah. Unless you guys just hate hockey. Yeah, me too. Nah, man. Hockey's one of those sports I have to be there. Like, if I'm at a game, hockey games are pretty sick when you go, Uh, when you're there. Um, But watching it on the TV, it's like like watching a NASCAR race. Like, NASCAR races are awesome if you're there, but that's just kind of boring on TV. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Everything is boring except football. All right. Let's have an open That's discussion. true. Let's have an open discussion right now for the next five minutes. Uh-oh. No holds barred? No holds barred. And this is a conversation topic that is going to have to be no holds barred. But video leaked oh, the past day or so of Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan getting into a bar cell at Margarita. <laughs> oh, and, God. Uh, you're you're you know, asking for features. I'm thinking to myself, how did these two guys ever get a job in the NFL? And that last as long as they did. And will they ever get a job in the NFL again? I mean, Rex Ryan was the next greatest thing, right? Coming out of Baltimore after running that defense with Ray Lewis and everyone else. And phenomenal, phenomenal defense goes to the Jets, makes the AFC championship game in his first two years. Everyone's hailing him the next greatest coach, beats Bill Belichick, uh, stifles the AFC East competition with the quarterbacks, wrecks havoc on all of the quarterbacks throughout the NFL, pretty much. Then just a downward spiral after giving Mark Sanchez that extension and then going to the Bills and being an absolute train wreck there. I mean, where did things go wrong with Rex Ryan? And of course, Rob Ryan's never been a great coordinator. He's kind of stuck around because of his name only. And it's good to see him out of the NFL right now. But but for me, here's the thing about Rex. He got another job, in my opinion, because of his personality and his outspoken ways. At the end of the day, was he the same as Joe Philbin in terms of a coach? Now, that is a loaded question, right? I mean, we could say, oh, Joe Philbin was terrible. Joe Philbin had no personality. But his teams were close, right? You could say, you could easily say in all his years here, with the exception of year one, they were on the cusp of the playoffs. They were one game away, and the exception of his last year, of course, as well. Two years in between, he was one game away from winning. Joe Philbin had that 
outspoken, outlandish personality that Rex Ryan had, you can make an argument, in my opinion, that he may have gotten another chance or at least another head coaching interview because, one, he was so close, and two, because of his outspoken personality. Is that just a huge hot take on my part, or is that something that has some merit for you guys? I don't think that's outlandish at all. I think there's kind of a natural ebb and flow between coaching um, changes. You often see like a fiery guy come in, and if he doesn't do the job, you bring in a mellow guy. And if the mellow guy doesn't work out, you bring in a young guy. And if the young guy doesn't work out, you try the veteran. So it's all it all kind of works out. But just going back to calling this a barroom scuffle, I don't know if there is some more footage that I missed. But I've seen more aggression in, like, a middle-aged men YMCA scrimmage, <laughs> okay? So I did not see, like, I saw a little gentle pushing maybe and, like, people, like, trying to keep the peace a little bit. But I didn't necessarily see a barroom scuffle there because, um, honestly, I think Rex and Rob Ryan probably would have kicked those kids' asses, like, really bad. But, um, I mean, they're, they're – Yes, yes, of course. Did you see how much bigger they were than them? I don't know. I don't bi- know. They, they they looked a lot bigger than the dudes. I don't know. I I didn't watch it more than four or five times, but um, they seemed a lot bigger fight? than the other dudes. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think things. they get I think they get one good shot in there, and those other kids start shitting their pants. House, what do you think? Yeah, I think they both just. I mean. They were given their opportunities because of their father. I know uh, Rex Ryan, great defense coordinator, Rob Ryan. Yeah, he's okay. And I think you said it best. I mean, he's just that loud mouth. Uh, sure, players love him. So, I think that had a lot to do with it. But, I mean, some coaches, they just, I mean, they're better off as coordinators than they are head coaches. I mean, you see it with, unfortunately, I mean, yeah. Todd Bowles, he's been given yeah. the short end of the stick up there and, uh, well, over there in that shitty East Rutherford, New Jersey. But, I mean, they're yeah. just some coaches that just aren't meant to be uh, leaders of men or head coaches, and I think, unfortunately for the Ryans, they're one of them. I mean, for me, though, the first time I saw that video, I was thinking maybe Rex asked to see the dude's feet, and then they got angry, and the <laughs> yeah. broke out. I, w- I wasn't really sure what happened. I just That's just what I assumed. Yeah, oh. like, hell yeah, it's flip-flop <laughs> weather. Mm. All right, but how <laughs> is Rex Ryan Joe Philbin without the personality? If you take out the personality, is Rex Ryan Joe Philbin? I mean, oh, man, Joe, <laughs> Joe Feldman was like a corpse. I mean, I'm not sure that he, he was, um, he was, might've been one of the worst head coaches the NFL has seen in years. Am I right? I mean, he was just anemic, didn't really have any personality to him. I don't know how he ever had a, a team of men, 53 men just follow behind him. I just don't understand. I mean, I, I would go to battle for, well, if he wasn't a jet, if he wasn't with the bills, I mean, I'd get, I go to uh, battle with Rex Ryan. I don't know that I would ever do that with Joe Philbin. <laughs> well, and Rex Rex had a upper echelon defense for years, and that that was he himself, and that was right. all yep. he did. And like you you said it, how it's in, he's like the perfect example of the Peter principle. Like you just you you try to that guy that gets and does his job really well. So you think the next promotion that he gets, he's still going to do really well, but yeah, he, he had those first couple of years, and then everything just kind of fell off after that. So, um, where was I going with that? I had a brain fart. 
I don't know. We don't know where you're going with anything. So save me, save me, save. We're just going to talk yeah. after that. Can I just right, go? Me... Can I just go off topic real quick? I, I looked oh, up. Oh yeah! Uh, wait, wait! I remembered. I remembered. I remembered. You remembered. Okay. So yeah. So Rex Ryan, he had one of the top-rated defenses, but Philbin didn't even call plays for the Green Bay offense. So I think that's a tough comparison to make. I don't think he was like the offensive guru sort of guy that would just happen to suck as a head coach. I don't even think you could classify him as a guru of any sort, unlike our esteemed colleague Houts, who's a guru of many things. I'm, I'm not the guru of anything, man. <laughs> you're, you are, you're the guru of something. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, well, I just want to throw out these stats I quick looked up. In 37 games, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill had uh, 112 receptions, 1,596 yards, and 10 touchdowns at Texas A&M. Tony Lippett in 54 games, 149 receptions, 2,247 yards, and 15 touchdowns. So, uh, I mean, go out there and vote. I'm still taking Ryan Tannehill and his toe thumbs. (laughs) All right, let's look at the results right now. But before we do, two funny comments in a live thread. Daytona Dolphins says, if they were fighting those guys for a chicken wing, they win hands down, and Dolphin fans for life. My boy Christoph says, seems Rex Ryan's coaching ability was directly tied to his belt size as he lost the weight he appeared to lose his ability to coach. Christoph with the finger. <laughs> Jeez, Christoph. Where did that Where did that come from? That angst. Good for you, Christoph. I am proud of you to stick up for you know whoever like that. All right. <laughs> we have right now on the, on the live poll – over 50 votes just in about five minutes. Ryan Tannehill in at 51%. Tony Lippett in at 49%. We'll have to monitor that for the next 24 hours. Check out F Insider Radio. It is on the timeline, and we will talk about it next week if we remember. Chances are we will forget because that's what we do best here on Finsider Radio. But throw a, <laughs> uh, throw a comment in line, thread, tweet at us, call us, remind us about the poll. We'll look it up, and we will discuss if it's so warring. How it's Sutton. Anything else before we head off the air for this week? Nah, man. Yeah, I'm good. Right. Thanks Looks for like having me. Thank you for listening <laughs> to Finsider Radio this week. We hope you enjoy the continuation of the offseason. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time here on Finsider Radio. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.